Greetings, good people of the planet Earth and the known universe. You're listening to Clef Science. This is Captain Keith. And today's new episode is on the brand new documentary. It's an HBO Max exclusive on Tina Turner, the queen of rock and roll. It's called Tina. And uh, yeah, let's let's get into it. Let's get into this documentary. Uh, so the documentary opens up with a, a live concert from Tina Turner from back in the day. Uh, it's like an arena concert. It looks like uh, it looks like it's from the '80s era. Um, I'm gauging that from the hairstyles of the band members <laughs> uh, and the mullets. You know, it's all good. And she performs. Uh, you suddenly hear like a soft piano in the, in the background playing, and then you hear another lady's voice uh, doing a voiceover asking Tina about whether or not anyone has approached her about you know doing her life story, you know, the story of her life, uh, which is, in the lady sense, which is, which is indeed fantastic. You know, um, I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Tina replies, yes, um, but uh, she says that she does not want to play herself in that story. And, she, she, you know, now, mind you, when What's Love Got to Do With It came out in the press clippings, she also stated the same thing. When they were uh, getting ready to do the movie, she said that they offered her to play herself in the film. And she said no. And I get it. Uh, it's one thing to, to be a famous uh, personality, a famous artist, uh, and, to, and to be alive when your life story is being told as a movie. Uh, I mean, it's an amazing thing when you can be there to smell the roses. Uh, you don't always want to be that person doing your life story. Uh, so, yeah, I, I understand. Um, I, I totally I, I get it. Now, she talks about, uh, you know, in this opening scene in the movie, um, she talks about how there were some good times, but there were um, they were outweighed by the bad times. And as this conversation is going on in the opening scene of this film, um, you uh, you get to see like this film montage of Tina Turner, young and old. It blends together. You also see some small footage of her uh, with Ike in that, and it's really cool to see the uh, the back and forth transitioning of the younger Tina, the older Tina, because uh, you're getting like, you know, they're symbolically giving you like a full picture of who she is. I mean, and, and that's cool. I, I did enjoy that. And by the time the transitioning is done, it sells on an older, you know, a more current picture of Tina or older picture of Tina. And, you know, it like felt like a, a private dancer era, uh, picture of, of a film footage of Tina Turner and you see the wind I mean you can see like the wind blowing in her hair and you see this 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 strong uh, the strong amazing independent defiant look that she has the smile or I don't even know it's not even a smile it's just this look like I've made it like you know I, I did the damn thing and um and then her name is spelled out in front of her face, Tina. And while all this is happening, the piano has gotten louder, you know, because the piano is really soft when it comes in. Because, like I said, the, op the movie opens up with her doing this concert, and you know she's rocking out and it's cool. And then all of a sudden, like I said, the, the piano, you know, subtly comes in and it's soothing and it has like a classical feel to it as it's playing. And you hear so. I, I had the feeling that this was like an interview that she did with someone and they just took that audio 
and just mixed it with the, you know that concert footage and it was just really cool just to see that yeah I, I really enjoyed I really enjoyed that because um, uh, by the time you see when they settle on her the final you know, film footage of her face and her name is spelled out over on top of her face it's just it's just a powerful opening scene to the movie um, yeah I, I dug it it was very cool let's see and so the, the next scene is like the, the principal scene of uh, the next scene or a principal scene is or both is is of Tina Turner um, in recent years she has this nice like black suit on she's sitting in the chair in this nice big beautiful big room I'm assuming this is like in her mansion and uh, she's talking to the camera so for whatever reason now the new it's not even really new anymore, but it seems to be like this new standard that I hate is that, you know, people are talking to the camera um, uh, for an interview or for a documentary. I mean, that works sometimes. And she's doing that. And, you know, it's that whole DJ Vlad thing. And I, and I, and I, I don't care for that, but I'm used to it. I mean, it's good to see, you know, a current Tina Turner you know, she's dressed to the nines. She's sitting in this chair. Like I said, it's a beautiful, like, room. I'm assuming it's, like, in her mansion. That's what I'm assuming. I, I don't know. But, you know, and they're sitting there, and they're talking to her. And that scene is going to be weaved uh, through in and out throughout the whole film, throughout the whole documentary. So, and, you know, you hear a voiceover, and you see more live performance footage of her singing. And... The voiceover is like, they say she taught Mick Jagger how to dance and that she's Rock's original Jagger. And I, I know, I take offense to that. I can Tina Turner uh, debuted in 1960. The Stones, 1962. So, yeah, you're going to say, well, Captain Keith, you know, it's just two years. But a lot can happen in two years. I can Tina were before the Rolling Stones. I Turner was before, like, all of them, you know, but we'll get into that. So, <laughs> so now the the movie is broken up into different parts, which was cool. Um, and part one is definitely the Ike and Tina era. So what can I say about this film? First of all, I like this movie a lot. Um, I, you know, I, it was really cool. It was very tasteful. And you you understand that Tina Turner knows that she will always be tied to Ike Turner. Ike, is, Ike Turner's been dead since 2007. Um, Tina Turner's been happily married to, uh, you know, the English version of Sandy's name is Erwin Bach. Um, but, you know, the W, like, I guess in Europe, is like a V, so she called him Irvin, so I'll say Irvin Bach. That's her husband and former record executive. Uh, so, it's um, and he's also an executive producer uh, of this movie. Now, also, I, I, I failed to mention that this film is directed by two people, uh, two men, Dan Lindsay and T.J. Martin. And when you watch this film, or when you see like the uh, the bonus footage, uh, or you know, after you know, on HBO, and, and the cool thing about HBO Max is when you uh, have HBO Max, a lot of times. What they do. So what HBO Max does that no other streaming service is doing. I have to give them. I have to give them their props on this. I got to be fair. Uh, they will 
give you uh, behind the scenes and, and like the Blu-ray features that you, you know, that you get when you buy a Blu-ray, they'll give you that after you watch the films, which is very cool. I, I didn't think about that until just now, but like Netflix and Hulu, Amazon Prime, they don't really give you that. So HBO Max does stand out in that regard. So, and you know, there's a, like, you know, interview footage of Dan Lindsay and TJ Martin talking about the, you know, directing the film, how much of a joy it was. And they also say how they were surprised um, that they were, had the opportunity to do this movie, you know, that two men. So they were kind of sitting aware because, um, you know, they were, they were, they were, they were thinking that, you know, she might want, you know, you know, directors who are not men, you know, uh, you know, a lady director to, to do this film, to, to give that female perspective. But apparently Tina and her husband, Irvin, um, thought that they were up for the task and they were comfortable with them. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters, you know, is that, you know, the star of this documentary, the people behind it feel comfortable and secure with what you're doing, no matter who you are as a director. Because, you know, I mean, at the bottom line, either you're going to do a good job or, you know, or you're not. So... But yeah, Dan Lizzie and T.J. Martin directed this film. So, you know, it's interesting that two, guy, two guys did this documentary. Very interesting. I mean, the two directors did the documentary. Let me say that. That was interesting. Usually it's just one director. But, um, and I can honestly say that watching this film, I, I feel like there was a singular vision. I, you know, I didn't feel like it was two different people making the movie. If I felt like it was two different people making this documentary, that would have been a problem because that means that there wouldn't have been any continuity. Uh, it wouldn't have flowed smoothly the way it did. So uh, well, I definitely wanted to mention that to you guys. So uh, getting back to this film. So what's interesting with this movie is that, you know, you get to to, to uh, see Tina, you know, sit in that chair and talk about her life. Uh, she's very candid, uh, very honest about what was going on. And you get to see where, I, like, it seemed like her first solo interview was with People Magazine. And the journalist, you know, recorded the interview like on cassette tapes. And you get to see a cassette tape player and a cassette playing. And it was really cool to see that, in, like, in this room. And so you see a you know, there's footage, there's a, a scene where you just see the tape on the, like on the desk on the table playing and you hear Tina's voice. Uh, sh- sh- shot very nicely, very cool. I enjoyed that scene. They definitely uh, created that narrative and, and gave you a good visual. Um, Cause you see that tape, but you know, you're hearing Tina's voice and you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I get it. So now, They go into, you know, of course, part one is about Ike and Tina, uh, how they met and, and, and what that was, you know, what that was like. So basically, uh, Tina Turner uh, moves to St. Louis, Missouri to live with her mom. And she goes out on the town with her sister, uh, Eileen, and, uh, or Orlean, and it's spelled like A-L-L-I-N-E. And they go to see the hottest band in town, and it's the Ike Turner Review. And Tina was like uh, mesmerized because she had never seen a, a band with these gentlemen, you know, all dressed up in nice suits. And she stated that when she saw uh, Ike playing, that she was uh, she was mesmerized, <laughs> you know, with his guitar playing. Um, she saw him for the first time. And what's cool about this 
this documentary is what you didn't really get from like the movie you know what's love got to do with it that movie's so old i haven't seen it in so long i suppose i will watch it again it's just it's just a lot to take that movie but that's a whole other conversation um you know after tina was swept away by you know ike and his band you know, apparently she, she stayed there. She would come, you know, like every night to watch them play. And she would tell, I, I can sing. And I was like, okay, I'll call you. But, and Tina's like, well, you know that, that's a line. He's like, he wasn't going to call. I didn't believe that she could sing. And here's the irony to the story. He didn't believe that Tina Turner could sing. And then she says that one day the drummer put the microphone on the stage. Tina just picked it up and started singing. And when Ike heard her, he was like, yeah, she can sing. And, you know, as they say, the rest is history. But now, here's the here's the thing that this documentary has in common with the biopic that they did with What's Love Got to Do With It. And it's a consistency that is not a good thing. That, that this stuff kind of bothers me greatly. Is that, uh, I mean, now you do find out in the documentary later on, and if someone else states this. So, now, but, well, before I get to that, here's what bothers me. Let me address what I was about to say. Tina Turner had a son by the saxophone player in Ike Turner's band. So, and now the documentary states that, but the way they state it, it's kind of suspect. Another person says, you know, Tina had a son by uh, by a saxophone player. They didn't say Tina had a son by a saxophone player in Ike's band. They just said by a saxophone player. Um, and so the son that Tina had was, was Craig. So, you know, you find out in the documentary something you don't know in the movie. Ike Turner adopts Craig as his son. Now, of course, Ike was with Lorraine, who, so, so now, once again, so the documentary doesn't cover this part. So I'm going to, uh, read it to you, talk to you guys about it, so... I want you to, I'm gonna. So this is, you know, and I and I always wonder about this and why um, it's never really spoken about. I always kind of bother me. Uh, so give me one. I'm gonna pull that back up. I had it. So. So before Tina moved to St. Louis, uh, she fell in love with a, a guy named Harry Taylor um, in high school. Um, I mean, t- Taylor attended a different school, but he relocated to, near, to, to be near her. Tina states that Harry was real popular and had tons of girlfriends, but eventually I got him and we went steady for a year. Their relationship ended after she discovered that Taylor had married another girl he impregnated. Ouch. Not cool. <laughs> so after, move, after moving to St. Louis, you know, Tina Turner, by then she was an anime bullock, and her sister, Aline, um, became equated. See, I don't know if it's Eileen, but it's spelled Aline, A-L-L-I-N-E. So forgive me if I'm butchering your name. Became acquainted with the Ike Turner's Kings of Rhythm. So I thought it was the Ike Turner Review, but I'm sorry. It's the Ike Turner Kings of Rhythm. So excuse me. That was the name of his initial band that she saw. Aline was dating the band's drummer, Eugene Washington, and, you know, Tina, or Anime Bullock at the time, began dating the saxophone player, Raymond Hill. 
After she became pregnant during her senior year of high school in St. Louis, she moved in with Hill, who lived with Ike Turner. She recalled, I didn't love him as much as I loved Harry, but he was good looking. I thought my baby is going to be beautiful. <laughs> Their relationship ended after Hill broke his ankle during a wrestling match with Kings of Rhythm singer Carlson Oliver. Hill returned to his hometown of Clarksdale before their son Craig was born in August 1958, leaving Bullock to become, or anime Bullock, Tina Turner, to become a single parent. So, in the beginning, Ike and Tina were more like brother and sister, and the movie, t- and Tina speaks about, about that, and that changed, especially after, you know, Raymond Hill left her. So, my thing is, why not tell that story? I never understood um, why that was kept out of the What's Love Got to Do with the movie and why it's kept out of this documentary. So, so that bothered me. So, I mean, you find out, I mean, it takes a while before you find out that Craig is her child by the saxophone player. So, that was interesting. Um, yeah, I never understood why that was taken out of What's Love Got to Do with it and why that was taken out of this documentary. So, that's it's like a pothole in this movie. So that's the, you know, that's the one I complaint, I guess I have a criticism I have about this film. Well, there's, there's, there's another one too. So there's definitely uh, more. So, but yeah, she was 17 years old uh, when she met him, when she met Ike. And Tina does talk about her musical influences, which were, uh, you know, black gospel and blues, especially B.B. King as an influence. Um, and she does, you know, the, the movie does. Now, I will say this about the film. Um, there's a lot of footage about her and Ike, which makes sense because that's a part of her foundation. You know, that was her foundation. And uh, you do see, uh, you know, a part of the movie talks about how Ike Turner did create the first rock and roll song. And that story is really cool because B.B. Uh, King's involved. I'll say that much. And, uh, you know, it was cool to, to hear how that song came about in, in 1951. And basically, well, I mean, it's common knowledge for the most part, so I'll, I'll say this to you. So basically, uh, because Ike's voice was so deep, he, he wrote the song Rocky 88 and had a saxophone player, Jackie Brinston, sing it. Jackie Brinston got the credit and it became Jack, Jackie Brinston and his Delta Cats. But it was Ike Turner's band, it's Ike Turner's song. So, and once it blew up, you know, of course, Jackie Brinston left him and Ike Turner developed this, this, uh, you know, like this anger and resentment because he felt like he always helped other people and they would always leave him. And that was something that he definitely would share with Tina Turner, which is one of the reasons why she never really left him. I mean, why, or excuse me, why she took so long to leave him because she didn't want to be like everybody else to leave him. Um, you know, once they got what they needed from him. So, you know, Ike Turner was showing his vulnerability in that regard. Uh, Tina's very honest, though, about um, how there was love in the beginning and how it was good in the beginning uh, once they were no longer acting like brother and sister, but how it got to be bad and how I could be really cruel and mean. Um, yeah, she's very candid about that. And when you hear her descriptions of it, it's... You're like, she is this amazing person who has overcome so much. Uh, I don't know how she did it. And, you know, basically by the time her and I get married, 
they have a blended family. So, like I said before, Craig gets adopted by Ike, and then you know Ike was living with Lorraine, uh, but you know that they broke up. They had two children, Ike Jr. and Michael. So Tina adopted Ike Jr. and Michael, and then they had Tina and Ike had a son together named Ronnie. So now the one thing I will say is that unfortunately. Tina's firstborn, Craig Turner, um, committed suicide and killed himself uh, several years ago. So I can understand why she may not want to have talk about that in her film. Uh, by the time you get to the end of the film, you know, of course, you know, there is a dedication to him, and it shows, you know, you know, you know, she, you know, the year he was born and the year he's deceased. But what's weird is that. Tina does talk about having four, you know, sons and have, you know, enjoying being their mom when she could be, when she wasn't on the road, and, and loving them. But you only see uh, an interview with Craig, you know, her son who's deceased, and it's an old interview from like 2000. So it's footage that we've seen before. And I asked myself, well, why didn't you talk to Ronnie, the son that you have with Ike and Michael and Ike Jr. Ronnie has played with Tina in her band, and he's played with his father, Ike. So it's just, it was very strange that you didn't really hear from her sons. But that goes to show you that, unfortunately, she, it seems like she's not as close with her sons. Um, now, also to be fair, though, a lot of rock stars uh, from that era, you know, um, spent a lot of time on the road and they were not family people and they were not necessarily close to their children. So, you know, this is not something that is exclusive to Tina Turner. <laughs> so there are a lot of rock stars in that regard. And like I said too, though, her son did, you know, die of suicide. So I, I get how that could be touchy. I, I, t I totally respect that. But to not talk to at least Ronnie, the son she had with Ike, but you know, once again, Ike Jr. and Michael, they consider her their mom because Lorraine just kind of booked and left. So, <laughs> but we didn't get too much into that story either, you know, and that's fine because this is about Tina and her journey. So, I, I totally uh, understand that. Now, I want to talk about how, uh, once again, like I said, you know, they said that she taught Mick Jagger how to dance and that she's Rock's original Jagger. I'm like, first of all, talking about teaching Mick Jagger how to dance, I don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> something to be uh, bragging about. Yeah, sorry. You know, I, I love the Rolling Stones, but yeah, I'm sorry, he's no James Brown. <laughs> no, uh-uh. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm like, why was there a need to compare uh, this amazing woman who happens to be black and who's like the queen of rock and roll to uh, Mick Jagger? So were you creating, were you comparing, you know, it was the media comparing her to Mick Jagger because he's this famous white rock star to get more people to buy the newspaper and the magazines. And I just feel like, you know, that's, that just kind of goes back to the racism um, about uh, the black people who created rock and roll who were rock stars versus the, the white rock stars who came later and the huge disparity uh, with that 
you know, and it's just uh, more, it's more of the same old crap in that regard. So it's just, yeah, no, you know, there be no Rolling Stones without Ike and Tina. <laughs> so keeping it real. So now the movie also talks about, uh, you, get to get, you get to see this, uh, the first time Tina gets to do a song without Ike and it's the famous production from Phil Spector for River Deep Mountain High. And uh, you find out that basically um, Phil Spector paid Ike Turner not to be at the studio while they recorded the song. And Tian did a great job with the song. It sounded great. Phil Spector put his wall of sound around it. But unfortunately, the song tanked. Now, what was cool and interesting is Ike Turner, uh, there's a scene where Tina puts in, you know, Tina Aaron put in where Ike Turner talks about that. He states that the record got played in Europe, but not in the US, and the black jockey said it's too white, and the white jockey said it's too black. Here we go again with the racism and the and and and, and um, the stereotyping and the, and the and the prejudice from uh, white radio and black radio. It's just, yeah, so very disconcerting. Um, the documentary, you know, is pretty cool. It, it, it gets pretty detailed for the most part, and I really enjoyed what I saw because there's things that I learned um, that I didn't know about. Uh, Tina grew up uh, watching violence in her own home um, before she even met Ike in, in Nutbush, Tennessee. Basically, her parents were sharecroppers, and one day her parents just left, just abandoned her, and she had to go uh, live with her grandmother until she reconnected with her mom, I guess, in St. Louis, which so, but yeah. She didn't talk about, I mean, the movie talks about her mom later on, which is interesting. Um, like I said, this movie is definitely broken up in different parts and, and, and it flows smoothly in that regard. You find out the Tina and the I kids did their own choreography. So that was cool. Um, so I, I did enjoy that. And it's a, uh, I mean, what else can I say about this film? Oh, that... So Tina talked about how Lucille Ball was like a beauty influence on her, which I thought was interesting, which I thought was very interesting, and Loretta Young. Um, and I didn't know that when Tina left Ike uh, that she was like doing... Uh, a, a show a, a Vegas residency for a while with her own new band but watching that footage was really cool and just watching what it took for her to be successful was amazing this is a great documentary um, I did like it like I said my biggest complaint was that you know they don't you don't get a chance to really see her children you just you see them in passing when they're young you see pictures but you only hear from Craig and it's old footage you don't hear from her you know, from Ronnie or Ike Jr. or Michael, you know. So, yeah, that was bizarre. And there's a lot of footage of, of, of Tina and Ike, so that takes up a lot. But when you get to Tina forging on her own path, um, like I said, the Vegas residency, and then uh, meeting her manager. So uh, you, this, this movie is great because you get to hear from Tina's friends like Oprah Winfrey, uh, Angela Bassett, who famously played Tina, and what's love got to do with it. You get to uh, hear from her, uh, backup singers, um, and you get to see, you know, her husband later on in the film 
because you get to see Tina's journey as a solo artist when she gets that success that nobody thought that she would get as a middle-aged woman when they thought she was washed up but she wasn't she was just getting her stride you get to find out the true origin of what's love got to do with it that song and how it came to be and Tina's views on it and when you get to see her live out her dream and play these stadium arenas and watch the fans just get so excited and love her. And even when she, by the time she writes her book, because, you know, Tina becomes successful and then people are still asking her about Ike and, you know, that's part of her past. She doesn't want to talk about it, but she finally gets to a point where she's like, you know, let me just write a book. And you get to see Kurt Loder, who co-wrote I, Tina, uh, her biography uh, with her. Which is what love, which is what love got to do with it is based off of. You get to see all these things, and um, it's 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 really great. This is a great movie. Uh, it's a great documentary. Um, there's more tribute to Tina. I mean, it's great to see an artist get to smell their roses while they're still here, get those get get the you know the accolades that um, the respect that they deserve for being such a pioneer. Uh, she's an amazing artist, amazing uh, charisma on stage, a great front woman, uh, a great singer, the stage presence, and just realizing that the choreography that her and the, I, that I, her and the, and the I kids did was amazing. And then when she goes on her own, all of that stuff is just amazing to see. Um, it's it's very informative. It's it's a great story. I definitely encourage you to watch it. You should check it out. Uh, on a scale of one to ten. With one being the worst and ten being uh, the best, I give this like a like a nine, nine out of ten. Well, good people of the planet Earth and the known universe, thanks for listening. You've been listening to Clef Science. This is Captain Keith. Until next time, see you somewhere out in space. Also, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, uh, please like, subscribe, or hit favorite. Highly appreciate it. Thanks again, and until next time.